Hello, everyone. This is your ex-president of the United States, Vladimir Putin. It is with great disappointment that I must notify you that the Everything Must Go at Mar-a-Lago garage sale has been cancelled for next Saturday. I know that we are all very sad at the unfairness of the American government getting in the way of a simple ex-president and Russian asset from making a few extra dollars for his retirement. I was coming down to Mar-a-Lago with some of my Chinese friends in our station wagon with the kids. There was going to be a barbecue, a jumping castle, nuclear codes, two for one, great deals on old cutlery, DVD players, and NATO's future defense plans, and the name and location of U.S. sources inside the Russian government. I mean, it was going to be fun for the entire family, you know? I mean, I mean it was fun. How can American government be against fun? It's terrible. My little daughter was so upset, I just can't say what the disappointment this has been. Well, just to show you, your Uncle Vlad knows how to have fun. I am organizing a big fireworks display for the next three weeks. It will take place inside the nuclear power reactor in the Ukraine, so you never know what surprises will be in store for Western Europe. There will be free I Love Vlad t-shirts for the kids, along with doses of iodine to handle any radioactive exposure. Yes, I am Mr. Fun. Uh, call me on secure line in the Saudi embassy, Donald, if you can make it. Bye! Once again, we here at The Bill Show are welcoming uh, two astounding people who have blessed the, our desperate and loud left-wing podcast universe for the last 10 years. Whatever agonies we on the left have suffered, they have experienced them with us. They have commented and predicted American politics for so long that today their entire show could be literally called I Told You So. Their show has been a decade full of them being the scientist in the disaster movie who gets ignored until the building burns down, disease breaks out, and a luxury cruise ship flips upside down. We think that if Irwin Allen cast them in a political version of the Towering Inferno, they would be played by Tony Franciosa and Stella Stevens. Yet, well, what do I know? I, I don't know. Yet their fascination with house cats, their love for each other, has seen them through Obama, both Bushes and Trump. They are the hardest working entertainment phenomenon to ever 
broadcast from a bedroom closet. The professional left, the champions of the cornfield resistance. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Trip Closet Blue Girl! Okay, we're stealing stealing that whole introduction. That's our new show introduction. Our new introduction. All right. All right, intros for you any day of the damn week. Thank you. And I have one quick I have one question for Blue Gal. One question I really mean I listened to your last episode. Why are people so mean? Why? (laughs) Why why are you guys so Uh, divisive? We have have an twice impeached ex president who has nuclear secrets in his golf resort. You asked that question on Twitter. (laughs) Yes. After making fun of disabled people and calling women. Yeah, you know, I, every name under the sun. He doesn't understand why people are so mean. Yeah, I don't understand why people are so mean. You know, my good friend and gay lover David Brooks uh, wanted yes. me to remind yes. you. Wanted yes. me to remind remind you that you catch more fascists with honey than with vinegar. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Bring him to your house. Sit well, down. Our Justice it. Department appears to be doing that at the moment. So, uh, oh my trying God, all the honey they can. How Instead long of, is this uh, going to Leg irons, you know. Uh, We'd like to see a lot more leg irons in this country. I I, I think that uh, I was sitting there thinking yeah, there's a, a segment that I want to do on the podcast from now on called What Does a White Man Have to Do to Get Arrested in America? Yeah. Uh, right. Which yeah. is which is Absolutely basically this. Because right. he's going to, uh, you know, this is going to go on for two or three weeks. And then, then he's going to think up another reason why no one can do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And it's just going to keep on going on, you know. It'll it'll be what like. I'm hoping, Bill. What I'm hoping. Yeah. There was a hint dropped by a member of the January 6th Commission that they're going to start following the money. Yeah. And not to get off on one of my bugaboos because I've done plenty of this on my own podcast, but yeah. we have an organization here called Win Red. Yeah. And WinRed is the fundraiser for the Republican Party, the online fundraising platform for the Republican Party. But nobody pays attention to the fact that WinRed is a for profit company that somebody owns. Oh my God. We have Act Blue, which is the f- the online fundraising platform for Democrats, yeah. which is nonprofit, which is funded by separate donations. You you make a donation to a candidate and then Act Blue asks you, would you also like to support us and our work? Yeah. And you have that opportunity, and it's totally transparent. WinRed, the Republican version of this, takes a cut off the top of every donation to every Republican <laughs> in the United States of America. <laughs> and we're going to find, I hope we're going to find out, as I said on Twitter, who owns WinRed and why is it Donald Trump? Yeah, why why is he drawn with them? <laughs> because uh Jared, his son in law, is the uh, one that set it up. That oily yeah. little shit. Yeah. <laughs> 2018. And and there so, was an itsy bitsy little box on the lower left hand corner that nobody could see hardly in very light font, which was, Do you want to keep giving this amount every week? Oh yeah. yeah. And the default yeah. setting was yes. You had to explicitly <laughs> tell it no. Yep. And you had to know the box was there, and you had to know to turn it off. And then a bunch of senior citizens a month or two later said, wait a minute, yeah. where's all my money going? I don't know. And right. they sued WinRed, and mm. they got they got uh, some of their money back. But the commission off the top WinRed takes, it, they didn't refund Is that. Is it refundable? No, no, no. So the, no. 
The RNC had to make that up. The campaigns wind up paying that. And the other part of it that's fascinating to me is the Senate campaign committee for Mm. the Republicans is now broke. They've invested heavily in Facebook ads. They say that's where the money went. Uh, It's not clear. Rick Scott, who defrauded Medicare in his past career, is now in charge of this. They put him in charge of their Senate fundraising campaign. No, honey, and you're underselling this. It, he it's was the October and September, the, and it's broke. Yeah, he was the single largest Medicare fraudster right. in American history, and, and his he got hospital had to, to pay after that. Yeah. from Florida. Yeah, and his hospital had to pay like a billion two in fines. Nine million dollars. Billion million dollars. Yeah, I. And well, then he got elected as a Republican to the Senate, which is just tells you everything you want to know about the and, Republican Party. And they put him in charge of the money. <laughs> then they put him in charge of the money. Yeah, well, and yeah. they have been fundraising with texts that say, do you think Joe Biden should resign? And when you say yes, when you reply yes, yeah. that commits you to donating $25 because WinRed has connected your phone number to your credit card. Holy shit. Yeah. And yeah. they are just totally corrupt. Well, is there, you so, know, uh, I'm hoping they're going to have hearings on. I just hope that this is the breaking point for mm. MAGA Republicans on the ground. You stole our money. Yeah, yeah but you're doing. But I, it, we have yeah. to wait and see if that is going to be a problem for them because it's a cult. I, yeah, I remember the last time we talked, I sat there and went, yeah, I don't think so. I, I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. I, I really don't. I, I, everybody around here, and there's a question I was going to ask you later. Everybody around here, and I'm talking the people I meet out in the street in my little village, and, and they, oh, that, that guy's never going to jail. They, no one believes <laughs> that this fucker will ever see the inside of a jail cell mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. he'll get away with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, so the, the, the popular consensus in my neck of the woods here in this lovely village that we should have, I don't know, <laughs> Mrs. Marple killings in, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's that, nah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, do you, I, I'm, we'll branch off on that. Do you think that um, my, my uh, absolutely idea is that if, you know, A, if you prosecute him, you, you, uh, these guys got guns and they're loony, right. you know, like real, real loony. And, and, uh, so you got, you got, you're risking them going to town, but I don't think that you can actually have a democracy if you don't prosecute this guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that? Well, I, I, I do want to say that three minutes ago, you said you had one question for Fran. So I, <laughs> you're breaking your own rule. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm just as an attorney of record, you know. We got time. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in, the water's fine. What do you think, darling? Uh I think you're right. I think if we don't prosecute him, we don't have a democracy anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I do. That's that's it. And from what I've heard from people on the ins who I think are on the inside of things, is that the national security issue and the nuclear capabilities of our allies, apparently, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, this stuff that he stole is of such grave uh, risk to the nation. And With socks and magazines. He can't. Yeah. He can't. They, this, we can't let this go. Yeah. No, you can't. Um, so you can't. that's. That's, I, I think he's committed espionage. I, I think right. that this that yeah. this guy yeah, yeah. Uh, is in Vladimir Putin's pocket. I never said mm-hmm. I'm completely innocent. See, I told you, no, 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 no. This guy, yeah. this guy, anybody who tries to make a uh, um, untraceable connection through Prince, remember that thing he was trying to uh, have a, yeah. uh, a a connection to the Kremlin. That mm-hmm. through the actually through the, Soviet, yeah. the the Russian embassy. Now people right. remember this shit. It's the, and now this guy has nuclear codes in his basement along with his long johns, you right. know. And, and right. I saw murder. She wrote, "What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I want to. I want to know um, who gave him the shopping list. Yeah, who I like to tell you." <laughs> Yeah, I love. I have a list of things you can get for me, my very good friend. Yes, yes. Well, no. Or it could have been the Saudis. I mean, yeah, we don't know who it is, but the Saudi government made an arrangement to make sure that Jared Kushner's investment firm had two billion dollars to spend. Oh God! So two billion dollars, you get something for that money. Uh, wow, man! And Isn't there a scene in like half of the Bond movies where the where Spectre has an auction mm-hmm. for nuclear weapons or whatever. That's right. Yeah. That, you know, I think that's that's probably the thinking. I mean, because yes. there's mm-hmm. it's you stole the crown jewels of the American intelligence system and kept them in a cardboard box in your basement in your right. in your hotel for yeah. a year and a half. And we're just and and you and you lied and you lied and you lied and they, and you said you gave them all back and you said you searched and you did none of those things. And the whole party is still standing behind you because they know. They know you did it, and they yeah. know that when you go down, they go down. They've all laughed well, themselves. That's the thing. And mm-hmm. if WinRed is funneling money to Donald Trump mm-hmm. via every single Republican candidate in the country because the RNC forced them mm-hmm. via Trump to sign up with WinRed, mm-hmm. then they're hostages. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man, this is yeah. this is bigger than Enron. Uh, yeah. But- Hey, I I got an idea. You want to play a game? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sure. One of the best things you have is your fake sponsors. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, friend, whether it's Dukakis khakis, freshly poured cat food, would you please do the freshly poured song? Because I have a cat right next to me who will think it's feeding time, but that's okay because he eats all the time. Here we go. It's. Freshly poured, freshly poured. Oh my lord, it's freshly poured. Oh my god, that's great. Hello, fascists. The takeout dinner for right wing fascists. In fact, the Bill Show, in honor of uh, that, has actually designed the new Hello, fascists, the home game. Yes, hey. that's right. <laughs> This segment of Hello Fascist, the home game, is brought to you by the good people at Hello Fascist. If you don't mind me doing this. Uh, are you a right-wing lunatic that can't just can't go out to the house without encountering women, people of color, minimum wage personnel, firemen, policemen, or just Americans who believe in voting? Who are going to fracture into brittle tenu- their trenu- brittle, trenuous hold on objective reality? 
Have family and friends actively moved to another state rather than listen to you quote Mark Levin or Tucker Carlson at Thanksgiving dinner? Well, worry no more. The good folks at Hello Fascist have put together a complete range of macaroni and cheese holiday dinners in easy-to-access dinner buckets that you can eat in front of the TV or wait till the apocalypse and use for survival in the Hello Fascist prefabricated information bunker. This inflatable womb comes with all your own MAGA accessories, a 10-year supply of fried food, and the complete literary works of Bill O'Reilly. Who needs love and family when you have a reverse mortgage, boner pills, and resentment? Call today. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, ladies Amen. and gentlemen. In this short segment, the dynamic duo of left-wing podcasters will face off against each other in listening to clues and identifying right-wing hacks, crazies, and public officials. When they identify the person there to shout, Hello, fascist. Hello, fascist. <laughs> or or or, se- or or semi-fascist. <laughs> and person- remember, those people are definitely peeing in your food. They yes, really they are. are definitely, definitely peeing in your food. Okay. Uh, each question is worth a point. First one to get three points wins. Okay. Whoa. So don't go away. It's time to play. Hello, fascist. Now the first question. I don't know. Lay out there. Uh, uh, okay. First question. Who am I? Uh, Semi-fascist number one. Ironically, this right-wing pundit spent the last 30 years arguing against socialized medicine, yet being born presumably for free in the sunny, friendly, commie, pinko socialist paradise of Toronto, Canada. Hello, fascist. Hello. You got it? Go. Is it David Frum? No. And Sorry. You're almost right. Is it? Another guy named David? Oh, come on. Let me get through the second one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, As an undergraduate, this person frequently contributed views and satirical pieces to his publications. His senior year, he wrote a spoof of the lifestyle of wealthy conservative William F. Buckley, in which he criticized Buckley, ironically, for doing what he would do for 20 years. In the afternoons, he's in the habit of going into crowded rooms and making everybody else feel inferior. The evenings are reserved for extended bouts of name-dropping. And that person is... Hello, fascist. Yeah. That is Mr. David F. Brooks of the New York Times. Uh He is, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Yes, he is. And I'll tell you something. Uh, I I wanted to tell you, Drift Class, uh, your old pal David Brooks walked in just now. He just did, and, uh, he and did. Through, through audio, he just—he's here on the on the show, and he wanted you to respond to uh, this little chat about Joe Biden's divisive rhetoric. See if you can hear me, uh, hear him right now. Here it is. Actually, you know, I I think he's right that this is a special time in American history. This is not normal. The threat to democracy is real. And the president, Michael Beschloss, said should be speaking about the real threats to the country. So I have no problem with him giving this speech. When I read the text, I was a little disappointed. One, he should have mentioned that his own party has spent $44 million supporting the MAGA wing and the Republican Party in Republican primaries. Uh, And he should have called out his own party for doing that if it's such a threat. Two, uh, 30% of Trump voters in 2020 have shown some openness to not voting for Donald Trump again. Those are the key people in this country. They need to peel away. And I thought it was a little too much of a Democrat-Republican speech and would have the effect of putting those 30% back in the Trump camp, which I think is dangerous. 
Yeah, I don't I don't fault him for having a democratic campaign rally. <laughs> if he wants to go and have a democratic <laughs> campaign rally and defend uh, abortion rights and all the other stuff, God bless you. But this, I think, was an occasion of primetime presidential. Agenda. Okay, that's enough of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Response, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, this is red meat. I'm throwing it. Go ahead. <laughs> Jump in. The water's fine. Well, once upon a time. Yes. <laughs> the, a few days before this PBS thing. Yeah. Uh, Mr. David Brooks of the New York Times had a column in the New York Times entitled, If an alternate candidate is needed in 2024, these folks will be ready. And he basically recycled the same garbage party number three, third party up the middle. If the Democrats nominate Bernie Sanders in 2024, the no labels people will be right there to sweep into power. <laughs> and that got an awful lot of attention. But the thing you just quoted yeah. from the PBS NewsHour, where he's sitting across from Jonathan Capehart. Yeah. Jonathan Capehart is trying hard not to vomit. Because <laughs> he's, he's sitting there going, you know, David, you make a good point, but I'd like to bring up this other thing. And, and Brooks just rolls over him and says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Democrats want to... And that's that's what got me right there. It's There's a phrase in the sentence he uses, if Democrats want to have a campaign rally and defend abortion rights and all that other stuff. <laughs> you know, all that other stuff, like voting rights, like yeah. civil rights, yeah. like human rights, yeah. like the right to clean water and clean air. That apparently, in his tiny, mushy, centrist Washington, D.C. brain, is just a bunch of talking points. He doesn't yeah. need anything. Because yeah. David Brooks knows something that you and I don't know, Bill. Yeah, that's it. That is the mob will never come for him. Yeah, the mob will come for everybody else, but David mm. Brooks is is going to be on that Acela corridor quiet train for the rest of his life, cruising yeah. around the country, giving speeches at college, holding forth about the importance of humility and the importance of being open to suggestion. And I went back and just pulled a bunch of his quotes. I wrote a post about this, as you might be able to tell. Mm. Um, I wrote a post about David Brooks filling out a police report, and I'll just recommend that as an aside. It's called The Beast That Shouted Love at the Heart of Congress with His Head Up His Ass While Being Sucking His Own Balls. And, oh, Jesus. and it's it's it's, and it's Brooks, sugarcoating it. It's <laughs> and this is from Chris Lass, I, I've always loved you. Go ahead. Oh, I've always loved you too. <laughs> and that, that post is from 2010. Yeah. And it's about David Brooks being beaten senseless by a guy in a in a Republican t-shirt. And he keeps trying to loop in the Democrats and liberals as being partially responsible for his being beaten and robbed. <laughs> and that's what he does. He simply <laughs> cannot say. His, his idea of centrism is a mathematical function between two points that keep moving around. Mm. And so no matter how depraved or monstrous or immediate the threat is, he always has to say, yeah, but the liberals are doing pretty bad stuff, too. I, I agree that Joe Biden was right. Technically, they're fascists, and maybe we're all in danger. He shouldn't have said it out loud. I mean, that yeah. was so rude. And so, and and the thing I've learned, having covered David Brooks on my blog for 17 years, mm -hmm. is that David Brooks is never going away. <laughs> he is never going to change. He is, he, he is an unstoppable force. And I don't know why, other than He's the Schulzberg family's house pet. Yeah. And He's got pictures of everyone with naked cowboys. <laughs> Something. Dead naked cowboys. I mean, he's Dead got naked cowboys. Yeah. Over 
I understand that's his cover band. (laughs) Right. Well, (laughs) he was he was called out on Morning Joe by by one commenter, and Mika Brzezinski gasped. (gasps) You said something bad about David Brooks. Do do you remember the um, um, Nicholas and Alexandria? It's a long uh, film about the Russian Revolution. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Jackson. Exactly. And then there's a moment at the end where I think Alec Guinness is in it and he's the head of the revolutionary forces, but somebody finally hauls up and slaps the czar. Yeah, well, he has this protective bubble around him, and it shocked people in the movie when someone actually struck the holy figure because you yeah. weren't supposed to physically. I mean, something would happen to you. Everyone was terrified that God would strike you dead or a bad thing would happen, and nothing happened. It yeah. was fine. I mean, yeah. you know, the family got executed. That's that's the downside. But oh, well, you know, and there's this terror in the media. You can feel it. It's palpable that people are just terrified of saying anything bad about people like David Brooks. Yeah. Even though David Brooks has like a 30-year record of being absolutely wrong about everything. Every, and, yeah. he's, and, and it's spectacular. And everyone knows it. And you know, even Fran came up with the uh, Beltway Iron Rule of David Brooks, which is, it is mandatory to quote what David Brooks said today. Mm. And it's forbidden to quote what David Brooks said yesterday. Because mm. by by the time yesterday becomes today, David Brooks's old statements are are insane, are incompetent, mm-hmm. are awful. Yeah. And I was witness at one and recorded another where he was actually. This is what he's terrified of: is being cornered in a venue where he has to answer someone's question about his past. Yeah. And this happened. I went to a a, a presentation on Reinhold Niebuhr, uh-huh. the philosopher. David yeah. Brooks was the was the keynote speaker. Yeah. It was all about humility and discussing the past and holding your own team accountable. Very, very important things. And during the Q&A, a very uh, nice woman stood up in the audience. This was in a chapel, the Hammerschmidt Chapel. He's in a pulpit of a chapel. And she stands up and says, you know, uh, where's the place for atonement in your theology? Because Bush didn't have Niebuhr, but he had you. And you promoted this war. And you slandered anybody who stood against this war. And now that we're a million dead, and it's all turned out to be screwed up, and everything's awful, where's the place for atoning for what you did? Uh, And his response to her was, I don't think I ever wrote anything like that. And then he just kept on talking. He just lied from the pulpit of a church. Mr. Humility, God, country, etc. The second example was uh, Brian Lamb on on C-SPAN, I think, um, interviewing him uh, post-divorce. And I, I, I pat myself on the back. I was the first one to spot the fact that he had stopped wearing his wedding ring on the Charlie Rose show. Mm. I wrote a post saying, you know, you don't, you don't take your wedding ring off unless your marriage is over. And he started writing sad bastard posts about, ooh, I'm lonely and I'm staring at a window full of women dancing and if only I had. And he's just writing like a guy who's gotten dumped by his wife or vice versa. Yeah. And Mr. Lamb pipes in, well, like, I, I understand that you just got divorced, and that you look like someone hit him with a with a lightning bolt, because you're not supposed to talk about his private life. Yeah, yeah. And he said, now, now, as a guy who's written about marriage and divorce and how di- divorce is bad, and poor people need to solve the problems by getting married, how does that square with your whole, I got divorced from my wife thing? And mm-hmm. David Brooks said, oh, I never wrote anything like that. No, never did that. Which is bullshit. Which is absolute untrammeled. Un- but he gets away with it. That's the thing that that if I ever write a book about David Brooks, it'll be the most dangerous man in America. Because to get to Trump, you had to have everyone's immunity to this bullshit lowered 
by the yeah. other half of the conservative media, yeah. which is the respectable half. The people, when you mm. go to him and say, what about Gingrich? What about Limbaugh? What about these other things? Oh, no, they're, they're just the French. Don't worry about them. Liberals are at least as bad, if not worse. And that was the party line right up until Trump came. And up until six months before Trump showed up on the scene, David Brooks is writing in the New York Times, the Republican Party is doing great. Uh, used to have the Sarah Palin stink to it, but it's doing great now. Nothing but blue skies ahead. They've detoxified their brand. Everything's going to be wonderful now. And then five months later, Donald Trump shows up. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, he's the Trojan horse, isn't he? He, he, he really is. is. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the Trojan horse that let everybody in. You know, uh, I'm a big fan of Cheers. And in that first episode, uh, Diane is the research assistant uh-huh. that, that is running away. <laughs> yeah, he, he he married young. His his, uh, his new bride is much much younger than him. What is, and seventeen, eighteen, what, 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 so, what? Well, you know, uh, something like that. It, it's 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 a, but you know he and he's. I'm sure you know his son went off to fight in the military, but not at the American military. What? Yeah, his son signed up to work for Bibi Netanyahu in the Israeli Defense Force. Oh, BB. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Huh. And it's, it's just like, uh, these are really interesting subjects that anyone who would actually have the gall to ask him that, but you don't slap the czar, right? You never slap no, the czar. No, no, and, no. And, and David Brooks is, is not, I mean, I've been writing about him for two decades now, but he is the template or the avatar for every other clown just like him. And yeah. the, the media is full of them, which is why the American media sucks. Yeah, I, I can see you at home going, he tasks me. It tasks me. <laughs> but I should have him. <laughs> but you know what? You'd never have him because he always gets away. <laughs> well, is it one of the eel? Yeah. What's that? He's a slippery eel. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 he never, uh, never will be caught in the room where it happened. Nope. Ever. Nope. Ever. Now, question number two and in, in this spontaneous thing. Okay, here it is. Uh, this is a person. Like any young strapping youth, these, this person spent their high school years not engaging in food fights and getting drunk. No, he accentuated his now famous sex appeal by attending meetings at the Free Market Education Foundation, a program that taught high school students the philosophy of, of Milton Friedman. That's the that's a fun party. That's a fun party on campus. In 1995, my home country distinguished itself by defeating this person's team in the World Debating Championship when Australian debaters sent Harvard Law School guys like him with their tail between their legs and beat them like a bad habit in 1995. Who do you think that might be? Harvard debater. Yeah. He's a he's a debate guy. It, it, it could be Tucker Carlson. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, okay. no, no. you want All another right. one? Hello, wanna... fascist. It's uh, Harvard. Ted Cruz. Yay! That's right. Thank you, darling. <laughs> yeah, she got it, man. What's wrong with you? Uh, I was going to go, I was gonna go with Noah Rothman, but you know. Yeah, there's um, another one. But he's a little too young, I think. A little too young. And for I that. don't think he, yeah. No. Yes, folks, it's the world-class turd head Ted Cruz. Proof to divorce women everywhere that, yes, yes, there is someone that makes your ex-husband seem more appealing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Number, yeah. Number th- can you imagine waking up to that every day? Fuck. Hey, <laughs> can you imagine waking up to find your husband has thrown you under the Trump bus just to advance his career yeah, with, you know, one micron? 
and staying with the guy. I mean, you know, the kids, the kids, the George George and Kellyanne Conway marriage is kind of the model for this kind of, you know, we, we hate each other and everything we stand for, but we're going to stay married because power is more important than whether you hate me or I hate you. I, and, and with her working for Goldman Sachs, it has to be the insider trading information. Oh, God, yeah. Um, allegedly. The money. Allegedly. She really likes Cancun. Yeah. You know. yeah. Plus, plus, you know so. something. Uh, both of them are so darn attractive. I know. Um, Gosh darn. <laughs> charismatic. Don't forget the charisma. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go along with Donald Trump and trash Mrs. Cruz because I no. think. There's no. a reason we don't need to be that mean. No, oh, you, come on, yeah, you do. Uh, it's... <laughs> Have you listened to my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. Uh, now let's let's go forward into these. Sewer. I served in juvenile detention for what I described as seriously and unlawful, uh, a serious and unlawful activity in my youth. The records of which were expunged. After I served a year of supervised probation, I became the first U.S. officer to be allowed inside the Russian military intelligence headquarters in Moscow, where I arrived at the invitation of General Igor Sorgan of the GRU. Yes, we love you here. Take, take, take a hand out. Would you like a mint? Uh, <laughs> We're walking, we're walking, we're walking. To the left is the Jaws ride, to the right. Stefan Helfer, uh, who worked with three Republican presidents, became so alarmed by my close association with Russian women that Helfer Associate expressed concerns to American authorities that I may have been compromised by Russian intelligence. Any ideas? Hello, fascists. Hello, fascist. Uh, I think it's, I think it's uh, General Michael Flynn. Yes, she's got Damn. it, ladies Damn and gentlemen. Woman. <laughs> Damn you, woman. <laughs> I was going to guess uh, Steven Seagal, but apparently <laughs> I don't know no. about anything. <laughs> you, you had me at the word compromise. Yeah. Yeah, Steven Seagal was there. Actually, yeah. he was. He was. He was running the camera while Flynn was with the hookers. So yeah, yeah. You know Steven Seagal, don't you? Um, this movie man. Yeah, you know him. <laughs> you look great on VHS. I have a copy. Okay. Uh, and, <laughs> and finally, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God. Oh, was that the three? That was the three. Was three. Wait a minute. And I, man, I think that that means that Blue Gal is the winner. You know, first of all, these rigged games where the patriarchy (laughs) is put up on the cross yet again. I'm the victim here yet again. But okay, have your little podcast. Go right ahead. Yeah, I know. I know. And and you get uh, a a copy of the Bill Show home game. The Hello Fascist home game. The Hello Fascist home game. Absolutely. The Hello Fascist home game. Now, I wanted to talk to you. uh, I just ask a few questions to you at the Brains Trust here. Uh, By the way, I I saved a clip here that uh, I think that if uh, if Donald Trump and the Republicans ever end up in, in court, I think their defense attorney may may sound I, I don't know. This is this is part of my preparation here. Uh, I, I think that he may sound, uh, they may sound uh, a bit 
like this. Well, you can't hold a whole fraternity responsible for the behavior yeah. of you sick, perverted individuals. <laughs> <laughs> or if you do, then shouldn't we blame the whole fraternity system? Yeah, it's not. It's just a few perverted, sick individuals. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. That's all it is. It's the Bluto defense. I think it'll yeah. work. Yeah. I, I, why wouldn't it? You're attacking I mean, the United States of America if you put a president in jail. I, I won't stand for that. Yeah, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, and if you own the courts and you own the appellates, yeah, and you you own the party. You know, yeah. it it just might fly. It might fly. It it could fly. Oh my gosh, this is my 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 phone is on, and I and people just bother me. It's Spielberg, uh, they <laughs> Spielberg Spiel. Just got it. Stop calling me, Stephen. Stop calling me. Listen, I, uh, another question. I, I've completely changed my view on Joe Biden, you know, because I was a Bernie guy. And I yeah. thought, nah, you know, I think he's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I really well, do. It's this old guy. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. yet after even after all he's done for Americans, they complain about petrol prices that are really close to what we pay all the time here. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whining that goes on in your country. Oh, my God. <laughs> if petrol prices go up a dollar, people go absolutely off their thing. Can I mm-hmm. ask you mm-hmm. from another side with my uh-huh. voice up here like this? Uh-huh. Is America a spoiled country? <laughs> Have we lost? <laughs> oh. oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, just just. Spoiled. I, I I went to Bali and I went to the poverty stricken area of that because of sponsor a, a village there. And there are people living on, you know, on mattresses, on, you know, literally yeah. poverty. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I listened to the uh, people in America complaining about, you know, uh, people still line up and sacrifice their lives to yeah. be in that country. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah. I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. Something's changed. I don't like it. <laughs> it's there's been no, I think, no great leveling democratic small d event like World War II. Yeah. That sort of crammed everyone into the same boat and sailed them off on a united mission and let them see the rest of the world and how the rest of the world lived. Yeah. And how Oh my God! It, things are very different over there, and they're and walk through the rubble of Berlin yeah. and see people living, you know, on ditch water, and mm-hmm. and then you know what we're going to do? We're going to rebuild this. We're going to do a big thing. We're going to rebuild the the Western civilization, and there was a sense of shared mission. There really was. I mean, I'm not advocating war or anything like that, but that it there is still a sense of shared mission among a lot of people in the United States, but they get shouted out by people who want to bitterly complain that people like uh, Fran and I are dirty, filthy, commie bastards who deserve to die a horrible death because Mm. we would like, you know, universal health care for people, (laughs) that we think that maybe clean water should be a human right. Um, And then there's people on our own side, who I don't think of on our own side so much anymore, who just have become branded as contrarian assholes mm. no matter what you get you get 70 percent of what you ask for you got to get 90 percent, or you've been 
stabbed in the back by Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is the best thing since sliced bread since he was around when they invented sliced bread. So, you know, <laughs> I said he invented sliced bread. He did. He did. We were, we were we were an Elizabeth Warren and uh, Bernie House. Bernie Sanders household. Yeah. And we did and we debated the kids too and they everybody had their favorites and but you look and and you notice what Bernie Sanders is doing now. Yeah. He is chairing the finance committee. The Senate, the, the, the Senate Budget yep, Committee. Senate Budget Committee. The Senate Budget Committee. And the, and the reason that that Joe Biden was able to do what he's done with um, forgiving student loans, yeah, is yeah. because Elizabeth Warren's people worked out the details so that and he they're could do working what he in wants the White do. House as economic advisors to Joe Biden. Right. All that boring government stuff, stuff. Right. Yeah. that gets actual right. progress done is what that's that's not exciting. That's not yeah. that doesn't thrill the blood. That doesn't get your your ire up. That doesn't get you hating the right people. Yep. So I I want to hire I want boring public servants <laughs> who do boring public things like transportation and water. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, I agree. And, I, I agree. Guys, Absolutely. Guys, though, you know, one of my favorite movies is. Um, Best Years of Our Lives, 1946. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was post-war, people coming home from the war and so forth. And near the end of that movie, they're in the diner. They're in the, the diner at the drugstore where Fred is working behind the counter and Homer, without his arms, who's lost his arms in the war, is having ice cream. And sitting there is an America first asshole who says, we, sh- we fought the wrong people. We should have sided with the Japs and the Germans, and now the Russians are coming for us. And if we'd been America first, this wouldn't have happened. And Homer starts a fight with him and gets Fred fired, and every a lot of other things happen. Yeah. But there is that guy in this movie. He is represented this right wing asshole who is, you know, pro fascism, is given a voice in this movie, and he, then he gets his lights punched out. But. That guy today has his own news network, has two or three news networks, yeah, has Gab and, you know, half of Facebook. And yeah. because of that, that's that's why we're here. That's why we're we're in the situation we're in the United States, at least. Absolutely. It's because it used to be a crackpot who you could punch one guy's lights out and you're and down. now now he owns uh, now it's Fox. You know. Multi-millionaires yeah, spouting absolutely. this stuff 24-7. And it's the border and Hunter Biden's laptop 24-7 here in, in the yeah, States. Yeah. Well, bring back the fairness doctrine. That's what yeah. bring back well, the fairness doctrine. I don't you, you might you might have noticed that there's a whole spate of books recently, like four or five books, all mm-hmm. covering the same subject. Yeah. Which is holy crap, the Republican Party lost their mind during the 90s, didn't they? And, and names like yeah. Newt Gingrich and Pat Buchanan and are suddenly being talked about in book form. And I'm like, wait a minute. Liberals have been saying this since the 90s. Yeah. And all that time we have been outcast and we have been slandered and we've been mocked as alarmist. And now all the shit has hit the fan. And now suddenly their books and, and the thing that drives me crazy is that the, for, the recently former Republicans who now dominate cable news are all reading these books and acting shocked. But there was a guy named Newt Gingrich. And there was a guy named Rush. Look, dude, you worked with Newt Gingrich. You were Rush Limbaugh in Wisconsin. How are you sitting there telling me you had no freaking idea any of this was happening? Well, you've got a camera and I don't. So that's so I guess you win. I was nowhere near there. I was in Switzerland. 
I bet I was not the item, right? No, comprende. That, that yeah. burnt uniform on the ground, that's not mine. No, that's no, mine. that's I've been fine. running here in my long underwear all day. <laughs> hey there, buddy. I am a no. good old Yankee Dory Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quick. Uh, I got like five minutes and seventeen seconds right. before my cheap version of soon uh, Zoom goes out. So quick, here it is. Books everyone should read. Go, Fran. After you, uh, I read one of the books I've read twice is The Passage by Justin Cronin. I love, uh, you know, dystopian oh, thrillers. Dystopian fiction. I just love dystopian fiction. Okay, and I love Margaret Atwood. I recommend if you get beyond The Handmaid's Tale, read Oryx and Crake. It's about geneticists yeah. going going too far, and okay. it's very entertaining. Drift Glass, best TV show you've seen? Oh, man. Now you've hemmed me in. Um, the best TV show I've seen in the last year uh, is a tie between Station Eleven and The Bear. And a bunch of your listeners probably know about Station Eleven because I'm sure your listeners are science fiction geeks like I am. It's a wonderful, spectacular, and weirdly, both of them are set in Chicago. Cool. That's, that's a it's yeah. an odd coincidence. Yeah. But uh, my brother is a chef at a, a senior center, and he has been a chef for 40 years, an executive chef. And I asked him, "Look, I in, in the bear. The bear is a story of a a Michelin three star Michelin chef, globally trained, worked every worked at the French Laundry." comes to take over a sandwich shop in Chicago that was run by his brother who has killed himself. Right. And I asked my brother, because the acting is spectacular. These are all a bunch of unknowns. I know all these corners. I know the street they're on. It's just so pure Chicago. I asked my brother, all right, I think this is the best thing I've seen in years, but is it true to life for the kitchen? And he goes, oh, hell yeah. This is exactly what a kitchen is like. This is cool. Unbelievably right. good. Yeah. All right, the bear. Check it out. Okay, okay. Uh, Star Trek, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek. No comment. Yeah. In, Star in Wars is Star Wars is not science fiction. It's fantasy. Yeah, fucking Ewoks it's, too. It's, you know, I mean, it's knights and princesses with swords. I mean, it's <laughs> fantasy. You know. Why do you guys hate the new House of Dragon series? Boring. It's Man. about they led with dragons instead of with people. Mm. That's true. That's yeah. true. But dragons are, up a, dragons are cool, you know? Yeah. Dragons are cool. I mean, and I, I told you this once before, I'm sure. I'm friends with the woman who told George R. R. Martin to put dragons in the goddamn book. In fact, the first Ice and Fire book is dedicated to her, Phyllis, to Phyllis who told me to put in dragons. And I love dragons, but I love the politics and the gritty, ugly, practical reality of yeah. living in a shitty world governed by lunatics with power. And and the just it's that's the level I love uh, uh, Game of Thrones at. How would we have any uh, knowledge of that? Um, so, <laughs> hey, listen, last last thing because I don't want to leave without you promoting your show. You're doing a big move right now to get people to sponsor. I I did my uh, Patreon sponsorship. You did not need to do that, but thank you for yeah, being a Patreon. I do of need to show. do that because I love you guys. You guys are great. Oh, so tell oh. people. Tell people where they have to go to sponsor your podcast. Go promo. Go to ProLeft Pod and sponsor our show on Patreon. There's a Patreon button at our website, ProLeftPod.com. And uh, we love you guys. And you got to listen. You, you well, just got to listen. And we're trying to launch a second political something. Up. Yeah, and we have another a lot of hour of audio or something. But we need... Funds I need to support you, ourselves to do YouTube, that. YouTube so. YouTube show because you're both stunning. 
Oh, thank oh, you. Just stunning. Thank you. Except the drift glass, I have no idea what he looks like. I have no <laughs> idea. You're, you're a richer and better man for Please it. I tell you. <laughs> uh, we also have a science fiction podcast called Science Fiction University, where we talk about science fiction and not politics. And it's a and blast. We've done 10 episodes of that so far. They're kind of intermittent, but we love doing it. Well, we, we we try to do a weekly once and now I think it's up to monthly. I, I don't have the commitment you guys do. Uh, and uh, but uh, gosh, we darn just it. did episode six, six, six. We did. Of our show. Mother knit socks in hell. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's, Isn't that yeah. special? The, the SNL version of that is always hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, I am so glad that you made time for me. It, we it, love you, Bill. Great. Love you, love you Love back. And so watch and listen to these guys uh, if you know what's good for you. And uh, and we we're, we want to thank Drift Glass and Blue Gal for being on our podcast. I have less than a minute. Okay. Damn right. Guys. Play, play us out. Play, play us out. I got A little I, traveling music, maestro. There will be traveling music. Trust me. There will be traveling music. Good night until we meet. Good night.